Welcome to Courage and Spice. This is the podcast for humans with self-doubt. I'll share evidence-based resources and teach you proven coaching tools to help you transcend your self-doubt. I'm Sass Petherick, a master coach and founder of the Self-Belief Coaching Academy. I'm so glad you're here. Let's do this. Hello lovely listeners, this is especially for anyone who identifies with being a perfectionist, but it's also for those of you who seem pretty okay with your perfectionist tendencies maybe, but perhaps it comes up now and again. I wanted to talk about perfectionism because I think it's one of the most subtle and sophisticated aspects of self-doubt. I think it's really sneaky as well. So I've been collecting some notes and ideas over the last few weeks and I've just put these all down into this episode. We're going to talk about what I think perfectionism actually is in relation to self-doubt and then I want to talk a little bit about how this shows up for you just so you can kind of see how it's related to that protective self-doubt the ways that we try to keep ourselves safe and hold ourselves back. And I'm hoping that that's going to help you just organize your mind around why you have this tendency. And I also want to talk about letting go of it, what it means to let go of perfectionism. So I'm hoping this one is going to be kind of juicy. So let's start with perfectionism and what I think it is in relation to self-doubt. So to me, perfectionism is a protective belief that if you are perfect, you will be safe. The bottom line is it correlates a sense of perfectionism with psychological safety. And it can show up in any area of your life. So it's this belief, right? If you're perfect at something, if you do something perfectly, like never yell at your kids, Uh, you find the perfect words to describe your new coaching offer, if you never screwed up at work, never showed your new romantic partner your flavor of crazy, then you can feel safe. You can experience joy and pride and you can relax. Now, I think it's one of the most sophisticated protective beliefs because it's really smart. It doesn't just pop up and say, never do this, always do this, be perfect. We don't tend to have those thoughts, I need to do this perfectly. Instead, we tend to think around the perfectionism. You might find yourself thinking things like, well, good people have a morning routine that they follow every day. Healthy relationships are about two whole and healed humans connecting spirit to spirit or something. Maybe that's just for Californians. It could show up at work, right? Once I've finished this training, then I'll feel confident to apply for the promotion. I'll be ready to date when I lose this 20 pounds. So it's a correlation between some reaching of some new standard that must be done reasonably perfectly in order for you to feel okay. Now, some of you listening might be thinking, well, that just sounds damn reasonable, right? Like you're just describing how things are, maybe even how I am, right? How you are. And this is why perfectionism is quite sneaky because it hides underneath that reasonableness. 
But here's how you know if your reasonableness is masking a perfectionist protective belief. And that is that you never do the thing that the perfectionist tendency is related to. So you never start or maintain a morning routine. You never finish the training or apply for the promotion and you work really damn hard to never show your version of crazy to your future or current romantic partner. And that's because some part of you knows that there is no such thing as perfect. So you can't ever achieve that standard, so you may as well not try. Now, what might happen is you can make plans and then you never start, or you start and then you give up at the first setback. You decide, yes, I am going to be the kind of person who has a morning routine. And to do that perfectly, I must do 20 minutes of yoga and 10 minutes of journaling and then 10 minutes of meditation. And then on day three, the tiniest human in the house suddenly needs you and you don't get to finish your your planned routine, so you give up. This is hopeless. I can't do it perfectly, so I may as well not do it. This makes complete sense when we think about it in a logical way. If you are waiting and not doing and staying in planning, staying in the fantasy of all possible outcomes, that feels safe. Possibility is endlessly safe because it's all to play for. It gives you that hit of, oh, if I was like that, then everything would feel good. So the waiting, the not doing, and the staying and planning keeps us in that fantasy of all possible outcomes that feels safe. In that place, we are protected from being disappointed or failing from all the things that we think will happen if we didn't do it perfectly. Conversely, and one of the reasons why perfectionism is so damn sophisticated, is that staying in possibility also protects us from success. Because what happens if you do lose that 20 pounds and you still don't feel ready to date? What if you do find the perfect words for your new coaching offer and you market it and no one buys it or you're disappointed with the amount of people who do? Or you finish the training and get the promotion and you still don't feel comfortable in your new role. And that's the thing we forget. Perfect doesn't exist. There is no safe place where life won't leak in at the edges. What tends to happen is that we forget these things (laughs) and we make it mean that there's something wrong with us. If we can't do this perfectly, there's something wrong with us, not with the standard we are judging ourselves by, which is impossible. Perfectionism is impossible. So what happens is we'll start turning that criticism and disappointment and discomfort onto ourselves, which of course feels terrible. And then we try to soothe ourselves with some comforts, things that don't really require anything of us. And then at some point, while we're perhaps drowning under a cloud of Dorito dust on the sofa watching Netflix, your brain will decide to tell you, but wait, tomorrow you could start again. And maybe this time you'll be perfect. We can end up creating these patterns where 
we fantasize about this perfect version of who we will be, how our lives will look when we can do this thing perfectly. And inevitably, we either don't try or we end up feeling dissatisfied with our efforts. So we give up when it starts to feel uncomfortable. We soothe and we start again tomorrow. You may recognize this pattern. And this is just a cycle that feeds the self-doubt stories that we tell ourselves. I can't stick to a morning routine. I'm unlovable at this weight. I'm terrible at marketing my coaching. None of these stories are true, but they serve an important purpose. They protect you from trying and from being hurt, right? The very reason you want to be perfect at some particular area of your life is to feel safe. And there will be a damn good reason for that. There'll be a rationale for the reason that you want that sense of safety because our Self-doubt stories always come from somewhere. Sometimes it's from the overculture, the media, our industry, or your organizational culture. Often they come from our personal experiences, our families, our friendships, our relationships. Most of us have spent our whole lives figuring out how to belong, how to be accepted, how to feel safe. And perfectionism is what we call a cognitive distortion of that sense of safety. It's a way of making sense of who we need to be to belong, to be accepted, to feel safe. If you've ever gotten praise for doing something, our brains go, oh, they felt really good. They like me. Imagine if I did it again, but better. Imagine if I could do it perfectly every single time, then I will always feel safe. I will be accepted and I will belong here. Most of us can see that This is a fantasy, but it's a seductive one. And on some level, it makes total sense. And it's constantly reinforced, right? By companies that want to exploit our insecurities for profit, by our own complicity in only sharing the lovable, acceptable, Instagrammable parts of our lives. We're all kind of in on it. But when I think about perfectionism, I think about how it shows up in different forms of protection. So in the self-belief coaching model, I've found that there are four distinct types of protectors, the critic, the martyr, the scapegoat, and the bystander. I've given you a download of the model in the show notes, and there are other episodes that you can listen to uh, from earlier in 2021, which talks about these different types of protectors. Definitely go and have a little listen in there if that this resonates for you. So there's the critic, the martyr, the scapegoat, and the bystander. And most of us have one or two that we favor, but they can all show up and work as a pretty effective system that's designed to just hold us back. And I thought that this would be a really helpful way of trying to organize your thinking around the ways you may be using perfectionism against yourself. So I just want to go through the four protectors briefly, look at the external and internal experience of this. So who you are being and what you are doing when those protectors are showing up. And this can really help you to notice and to interrupt these perfectionist patterns. So. Let's start with the critic protector. 
And if you have a really strong critic protector, perfectionism is likely to be your jam, right? You're probably super familiar with that perfectionist voice that's basically telling you you're not good enough, nothing you do is good enough. It's a pretty painful experience to have a really strong critic protector. Perfectionism is basically the driving force and you may find that you have this sort of constant refrain in your mind, if only I was better, I would have this perfect fantasy outcome. So when it comes to perfectionism specifically, the internal experience of a critic protector tends to be judgment, directed at yourself mostly, but maybe also at other people. So that's the internal experience, the kind of who you're, who you're being within yourself. Externally, what you're doing is being busy. You'll be doing a lot of work to keep proving yourself, to keep trying to be a perfectionist or reach a, a new standard. Moving around to the martyr. So the martyr protector feels safety from being needed. So if this is a big one for you, it's likely that you tend to dismiss your own needs and preferences in order to prioritize those of others. So when it comes to perfectionism, those with a martyr protector usually have a core belief that if only I didn't have all these demands on my time, I would get this perfect fantasy outcome. Externally, you're likely to see a lot of caretaking of others. And internally, the experience of someone with a martyr protector is all about resentment of other people and their bloody needs and preferences and requests of you. But also, it's highly likely that you feel some resentment towards yourself for just not being able to say no, for a lack of boundaries and for all the self-sacrificing that you seem to be doing. The third protector is the scapegoat. And scapegoats have a perfectionist fantasy that if only it wasn't so hard for me, I would have this perfect fantasy outcome. When we believe this protector, we tend to feel really overwhelmed and unable to solve problems. So internally, the experience of this tends to be frustration. You feel frustrated that it's too hard, it's too overwhelming, too complex. This is why you can't have that perfect outcome. That frustration can also be directed at other people. And externally, you're likely to see a lot of disorganization, kind of chaotic approaches or overcomplicated approaches, scattered thinking, not really able to get a grip of things like time and resources. I have a scapegoat protector. It pops up for me when I'm experiencing a lot of self-doubt, particularly in my business. It's a riot. <laughs> it's the hardest one, I think. But I would say that because I have a scapegoat. Now, the final one is the bystander protector. And for the bystander, it's literally about standing on the sidelines and waiting. The bystander tends to overthink as if it were an Olympic sport, never feels ready and can always find some other angle to consider. So it's overthinking all the time. Perfectionism is also a big part of the bystander's approach and their fantasy tends to be, if only I knew what to do, I would get this perfect fantasy outcome. The internal experience of a bystander is confusion. And it's self-generated from all that overthinking, right? Searching for answers, stuck in the possibility and the research, unable to take action because what if it's wrong? What if you choose the wrong thing? 
externally you'll probably notice yourself comparing a lot the bystander loves to watch other people that are doing the thing they want to do from the sidelines with all four of those protectors what you might notice is that there is quite a lot of distorted logic right this is how sophisticated these protectors are if you don't know what to do it makes sense to wait if you have a lot of responsibilities it's completely understandable that you might need to prioritize other people at times but what happens is this logic gets distorted and we use it against ourselves because self-doubt is all or nothing it's this or that it's black and white thinking always or never no one or everyone it's pretty absolute even though logically we know this is not true that somewhere in there there's always nuance but the fantasy feels safe and that makes it so much more attractive and palatable than the nuanced complex reality because the reality is there is no perfect there is nothing you can do to guarantee safety so you can't do enough for that inner critic to feel safe you can't give enough for the inner martyr to feel safe you can't quit enough for the inner scapegoat to feel safe and you can't wait long enough for that inner bystander to feel safe now on some level you probably know this so why the hell do we keep doing it why do we keep aiming for perfection in overt and quite subtle sneaky ways why do we hold ourselves to these impossible standards and then beat ourselves up when we inevitably fail to meet them so my theory is that if we actually allowed ourselves to do enough feel enough achieve enough and trust ourselves enough we would be faced with the reality that we are acceptable and lovable and worthy of our own attention and care of connection with others right now in this moment with no changes and this goes against everything we've been told about who we need to be and I know this on some level it's like yeah I know this it's that enoughness thing right but I want you to really think about this what would it mean to be deeply okay with who you are right now with your body as it is right now with your achievements with your unmet longings with your current income the home you currently live in with everything you've created and every drop of untapped potential that's still in you what would it mean to be okay with all of that without trying to reach some other destination some fantasy perfect destination perfectionism makes it impossible to appreciate what you have right now who you are right now and what you're capable of right now so for example and, and this is just one that's top of mind because a lot of my clients right now are coaches but if you believe you'll have the perfect coaching practice when you can make a hundred thousand pounds a year from it you just won't be able to take pride and joy from the sixteen thousand pounds you've actually made from your own empathic heart your courage your brilliant brain likewise if you believe you won't be perfectly whole until you meet your romantic partner and they fulfill your every need you miss the entire opportunity for the most important 
imperfect human you'll ever be in a relationship with yourself right if a perfect parent looks like never yelling at your kids and 20 minutes of screen time and never feeding them anything with an e number and you fail to meet these impossible standards and that has you crying in the bath with a very large glass of wine you miss your actual kids as they are right now and tragically they miss out on you It's like we set these impossible standards. If your vibes are constantly high, if you eat 100% clean, if you eliminate anger or carbs, right? Whatever all or nothing standard you're buying into, this is perfectionism. And it robs us of our humanity. It takes us away from the reality that the world has never been fair or just and that shitty random things happen to good people. It takes us away from the reality that we've never really been safe. So perfectionism means we spend a lot of time thinking about being on the other side of the canyon, right? When everything is humming along perfectly, we're in white jeans, we never spill food or have a surprise period, right? But we don't entertain the long, winding, imperfect, messy path to get there. And it's in that grey, uncertain, unformed space where real life happens. And this is the thing that just blows my mind a little bit. So I've spent the last year working with over 50 incredibly skilled and experienced coaches, practitioners who, like me, are obsessed with helping you navigate through self-doubt. We totally get off on this stuff, right? And what I found, it's nowhere near enough to kind of intellectually get this. So as coaches, we totally buy into this shit too. We are completely perfectionists. And if you are a fellow practitioner, I totally invite you to noodle on what it means to you to be a good coach and just see what pops up that might be related to perfectionism about who you have to be what you're not allowed to feel, what's required of you on social media from your clients, how much income you should be making, the qualifications and training you need, right? There's there's just acres of potential to fall into that trap of perfectionism. So this is the thing. It's not enough to understand that perfectionism requires us to meet these impossible standards because perfectionism is not a house of cards that just comes tumbling down from some logic right ironically that's actually a perfectionist fantasy this thing's made of bricks right our perfectionism is brick wall and every brick in it is a story an experience an opinion a memory that we've internalized about how we need to change who we are in order to belong to be accepted to feel safe Right, Those bricks, are, they come from our family of origin, our friendships, organizations, industries, church, the media, other people on the internet. We need to unpack the bricks. And really this means being willing to disbelieve all of the stories that we've inherited from other people who, by the way, may or may not like themselves or have a vested interest in what we do with their opinion. We need to be willing to disbelieve all the stories that come from other people who were trying to protect us, all the stories that are out of date, 
or that are disproportionate to our current context. Now, this can sound like a lot of work, but ultimately, the shortcut, if you need one, is that this is about being willing to build a relationship with yourself as you are right now with your healthiest adult self. This means letting go of that perfectionist fantasy that somehow your life will be infinitely better if you do this thing perfectly and if you are perfect. And it can be a massive anti-climax to just get grounded in that reality. It can bring up some confusion because who even are you and what do you want? It can bring up some grief for all the shitty stories that you've believed about yourself, all the standards you've tried to meet to perhaps make yourself palatable for people that didn't even like themselves. But start by paying attention to yourself, to your reality right now. This is the way forward. It's not a shortcut. It's complex. It's an ongoing relationship. There are no five easy steps. Disbelieve anyone who tells you there are. They are living in a perfectionist fantasy. But some questions you might like to ask. What do you like about your reality right now? What are you proud of? What has real meaning for you right now? What do you love about yourself? What do you want to change about your current circumstances? What are the healthiest most supportive and encouraging stories that you can believe about yourself. Start here and I promise you the door to imperfection, messy, lovable reality will be wide open. I hope this has been super helpful for you. It is so fun to explore these topics in a bit more depth. Let me know what you think. Leave me a review or a rating on Apple iTunes Get in touch with me on Instagram. I'd love to know how this one landed for you. Take care. If you're a coach, a therapist, a counsellor or a mentor and you're working one-to-one with clients impacted by self-doubt, I want to invite you to check out the Self-Belief Coaching Academy. This is where I teach experienced practitioners like you, my evidence-based, trauma-informed and ICF-accredited coaching methodology. It's deep, rich work, it's all research-led, and it has taken me a decade to develop. We're enrolling now. The autumn class begins on the 25th of October 2021 and you can see all the details including payment plans and how to enroll at selfbelief.school backslash SBCA. I really hope we get to work together.